We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Yes, but otherwise, welcome. Let's get into God's Word, shall we? If you are new here, perhaps if you're new to Christianity, I just want to let you know up front that today's passage is weird. And as we read it through, everyone is thinking it's weird. It's not normal, so don't panic. You know, don't be like, dude, what is this about? It's good. We're all thinking, dude, what is this about? So just giving you a heads up there with that. And a bit of context for you is that Jesus has just, which we read about last week, he has just talked about the importance of sharing the good news of his word, of who he is, of the gospel that we've been singing about this morning with others. And he talks about how how different people might receive that. He talks about different soil and about their hearts and some might some seed might fall on paths and so what that means is that they might fall on the path and then they don't take root the the birds can come and snatch it away and and they reject Jesus and then he talks about how some falls in rocky places and so it does take a bit of root but it the roots can't go deep enough because the rocks are in the way and so what happens is that it's then it's difficult for them to you know troubles come along and and they they reject Jesus and in others it it falls on in between the weeds and the troubles of life come along and so whilst they receive the news of Jesus gladly and they love his word that all the things in life the the kids the work the finances the, the the wealth all that kind of stuff crowds around them and it's difficult and then lastly there's people who are like good soil they receive his word they're the their roots go deep into the ground. They, they trust Jesus. They learn to obey him. And Jesus spent time talking about this to his disciples, these kind of principles for when we go and sow. It's important that we sow generously and we, we share it with only everyone because we don't know what their hearts are going to be like. And now he's going to put it into action. He is going to go and he's going to meet with someone who is probably the least likely ever to kind of accept the good news of Jesus. He's going to go interact with him and encounter him. And what I guess this passage is going to show us is that Jesus is intentional about going to the ends of the earth, about going to everyone, about having his good news received by any and everyone. And yet the disciples would have thought if there was anyone ever to not want to receive him, it was going to be the guy that we're going to meet in a moment and encounter. And just before we crack on then, I want you to think about your friends, your colleagues, your family, the people that you interact with, who do you think is the least likely to ever receive Jesus, to accept him into into his life? might be that you can think of people straight away, family, friends, neighbours, colleagues. It might be that you can't think of anyone because everyone you know knows Jesus, and that's a challenge in itself, isn't it? But just bring, bring that person to mind and then just park it. We're going to come back to that question at the end. I've, I've called this talk, Who is Jesus? Because throughout the whole of the first half of the book of Mark, that's really what 
what Mark is answering. And he's sharing us that he is the one that's on mission to bring the good news of the gospel of God to the nations. He's the one that calls people to follow him and to, to fish for him. He's the one that is a healer and a redeemer and a restorer. He's the one that's bringing the kingdom of God to earth. He's the one that calls us to follow. He's the one that encourages us to sow. And today we're going to hear some more answers to that question about who is Jesus. So um, let's, what we're going to do, we're going to read the whole passage. So you can read along with me. It will appear on the screen as well. And then once we've done that, we're going to go through to see how this passage helps us to answer that question. Okay, so let's start then. Chapter 4, verse 35. Uh, so Jesus had just done, talked about sowing seeds. He talked all the last week. And now that day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, so he was on a boat. They were on a boat in the, on the Sea of Galilee. Let's go over to the other side of the sea of, of, the, of this lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, on a pillow. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It must be a pretty bad, you know, these are trained fishermen, so it must be a bad storm for them to be thinking, panicking. He got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and they asked each other, um, who is this? Who is this? It's this question, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When they got out of the boat, a man... Uh, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This is the person that's the least likely to receive him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and he broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day... Among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with the stones. With stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This is where it gets a bit weird. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, uh, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? So this is like, this man is demon-possessed. He's got this evil spirit inside him. And that's quite weird. What's even weirder is that Jesus now starts talking to this impure spirit, asks, what is your name? And the spirit says, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. And then it gets a bit weirder. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside and the demons begged Jesus, hey, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. And then it gets weirder because Jesus then gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And then lastly, the herd of about 2,000 in number then rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and in the countryside. 
And he went out to see what had happened. And when they began, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the living demons sitting there, dressed, for he was naked, and he's now in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And strangely, Jesus says to the man, no, no. Jesus did not let him come, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were utterly amazed. Here we go. Who is Jesus? Well, um, let's go through and let's answer those, some of those questions. And I think these will be encouragements to each of us. The first thing that we see straight away, who is Jesus? Well, he is human. He is like me and you. He gets to the end of a day of having been teaching and preaching about all these different seeds, all these different parables, and he's tired. He's tired and he goes and he lays on his pillow. It's the evening time, it's time for sleep, he's knackered, and so he's shattered, tired, and he goes and lies down um, uh, and, and sleeps. And um, I think that's, that's a, it's a good because he identifies with us so easy isn't it for us you might have little kids and and you're tired and you're surprised it might be that you know you've had a really tough week at work and you're tired and you're sleep deprived it might be that you are someone who um has experienced all the different things of life you know jesus experienced what it meant to be betrayed what it meant to be beaten what it meant to be alone what it meant to be isolated what it meant to be mocked others experienced everything that we have experienced and and so he identifies with us. It's good news. Jesus is human. He's like me and you. He's not just, he is God as well, but he's not just sitting up high, loft and alone, not being able to identify with us. Actually, he, he is human. He experiences what humans experience. We read about his humanity throughout the Gospels and throughout Acts, and about how he wept at things, how he experienced fatigue and stress and pain and anxiety, all these different things that we experience. And here in this occasion, I feel like it's, a, it's good news to me that having preached, he's then tired and wants to sleep sit down. So, oh, okay, that's, that's helpful. It's good to know that I'm not alone. Jesus is human, and that's encouraging because he identifies. But Jesus is also God. Jesus is God. He's 100% human. He's also 100% God. And we, we read in this passage how there's this, this storm that comes. And, you know, you might be thinking, well, how can there be a storm on the lake? How can there be waves on a lake? I don't often see waves on a lake. Well, Galilee is, like, surrounded by hills and mountaintops and so uh, people who know who are much cleverer than me will tell me actually that it can create this whole kind of climate system within those hills which means that when you get the right conditions actually you can get massive waves and and winds and storms that can come into that into that area and it's not like it's not like a lake that we would experience in the UK when we go it's, it's massive it's like 13 miles long by like 16 miles wide it's a massive and that's why they call it the sea you often see it known as the sea of Galilee because people that would have lived around it would have seen it as a vast vast 
place, ocean. And, you know, these, these guys are sailing across it, would have, which would have taken them hours. Think about how, how long it would take you to, to row 13 miles. It's a, it's a long time. And uh, these, they're trained fishermen. They know what it's like, and yet they are scared and frightened. And this whole episode kind of reminds us, you know, we've heard already from Jonah, uh, from Phil this morning, actually there's, there's a moment in there where Jonah is similarly stuck in a storm. People are afraid. Jonah is asleep and God comes and calms the storm. In this exact same situation, Jesus is asleep. There's a boat, there's a storm, and this time God doesn't calm the storm by throwing Jesus overboard. No, Jesus is God. And so he speaks, and the storm dies down. He speaks, and the waves are still. Jesus is God. Even, well, who is this guy? Even the sea, even nature obeys him. Even the waves obey him. He is, he is God, and that should be encouraging to us because when we are in the storms of life, we know that we come and worship a God who is able to calm the waves. He, he knows what you're going through because he's human. He's, he's like in the boat. He's in our lives and he's able to calm the waves. And I guess that's my third point is that Jesus is with us. And, you know, sometimes we can, for, for these disciples, what have they done? They've, they've left their livelihood, their families behind to follow Jesus. They've trusted him and been obedient to him. He told them to get on the boat. He, they got on the boat. He told them to row. They rowed. And now the storms of life come. The storm has come and they're terrified and they're panicked. So often we in life can be obedient to Jesus. We can give up a bunch of stuff to follow him. We can trust him and step out for him and do what he calls us to do. And then the storm comes and it's easy to be afraid and frightened. Like, God, why have you abandoned me? Where are you in this? I trusted you. I thought this is what you told me to do. I thought you encouraged me to do this. And I guess a good thing for us to be aware of is just because there are storms in your life, that doesn't mean that you have been disobedient to God. Just because there's storms in your life, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you, is not with you. Actually, he knows exactly what you're experiencing. He is with you and you can know him and, and he encourages you to call out to him. That's what the faith that the disciples has was they brought the problem to Jesus so it's so easy for us sometimes isn't it to bring our problems to every other situation we've got we've got I don't know problems with our finances problems with our relationship problems with work problems with this or that and we can try to find solutions in all sorts of different ways and we want to take it to take the problem to the bank or take the problem to our parents or take the problem to our colleagues or take the problem to our bosses or whatever it might be and here we're encouraged no bring your problems to Jesus he cares for you and that's what they did and Jesus spoke and he calmed the storms and he is able to do that he's able to calm the storms in your life and he might do that he might even do that this morning as we pray to him and he might not either way you can know he is with you in the boat in your life in the scenario if you trust him put your trust in him if you're being obedient to him you can trust that he is he's in this with you he is he is with you in, in this um, part, he encourages the disciples, having heard that, the word, having heard him preach about sowing seeds, his very first act then is to go to a place of a rock, like rocky ground, hard path. And he says, come on, let's go to the other side. Let's, let's, let's go over there. Let's, let's not stay here. 
in the Jewish territory where everyone knows about God. Okay, they, you know, they need to hear about me and about my kingdom. But let's go to a place where they don't know about God. The Decapolis, which it refers to at the end, is, literally means 10 towns, 10 places. In the Decapolis, they, it was Gentile territory. You wouldn't have had Jews there. You would have had people who are, who are pagan, who don't know God, who are caught up in all sorts of different things. And he, encouraged, he says to them, hey, we've talked about all this. We've talked about what it means to share Jesus. Now let's go to the other side and actually, let's do that. Let's put that into practice. And as they do we find out, don't we, that Jesus has a power, a power and authority, not just over nature, but over everything, over the evil one. Next week, we're going to find out how he has power and authority over sickness and death. This week, we're finding out how he's got power and authority over, um, the, over nature and over evil. And so it's, it's good for us to be reminded about what happens. We've got this man who has been living in the tombs, and Mark is to point out to us that no one has been able to bind him no no one is strong enough to subdue him that's what it says in verse 4 of chapter 5 night and day he is among the tombs and he is uh, self-harming he's cutting himself with stones Uh, towards the end of the passage we find out that he he was naked because now he's suddenly dressed there's a comparison there Um, he uh, no one is able to help him or support him he's been isolated left alone he's not uh, interacting with society he probably doesn't have a job or anything like that and um, I guess people are scared of him and Jesus he comes and interacts with the man this man who's been isolated and alone self-harming that no one could help that no one was strong enough one encounter with Jesus and the chains are broken one encounter with Jesus and his life is completely radically transformed one encounter with Jesus and he is set free and in his right mind and uh, able to then interact with society again as he, as he runs back to his community. We've been singing this, mo- this morning, haven't we, that you broke my chains and I ran out of the grave. I wonder if, that's, you know, if that was part of his, his celebratory dance as he, as he ran out. We, we sang as well that you, know, you, you move over mountains, breaker of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. This man was effectively living in a grave. He, he, was, down, he was down and out. And we can know that actually Jesus has power and authority over the evil one, over all sorts of things that can bind and dis- destruct and destroy. I think it's important to know that the devil is like a prowling lion, ready to seek, kill and destroy. That's what it tells us in 1 Peter He's ready to devour you. And if he had his way, I believe that he would want to render every single person's life to the state of this man. That is what he is about. That is the reality of the devil. You know, and as we get ready to go into the week where we have Halloween, it's a challenge, isn't it, for us to think about, okay, what, how, do we, how do we lead our families through that? What, what is our response to that? How do we think about how we interact with it? I was uh, chatting to a wonderful family last week and we were having lunch with them and they were telling me about, uh, I think it was last Halloween or one before, where, you know, they, they, they did, um, you know, the, the pumpkins, but, you know, I, I don't know, did smiley faces and maybe wrote Jesus in one or a fish in one, or I can't, can't remember exactly. And um, people, uh, people would come, they left out sweets and stuff for people to collect, you know, because they're interacting with the community. I think it's a good thing to do. And uh, then... Uh, recently they then arrived at school and they're, you know, chatting, you know, getting to know the, the parents of the school and they're like, oh, 
you're the you're the Jesus guys, aren't you? You're the you're the like the the, the, the kind of um, yeah. I can't remember exactly what the phrases were, but um, and you know what? It was in Antioch when the Christ, when people were first known as Christians, and it was a mocking term. Those Christians in Antioch were so in love with Jesus and so let that shine out of their lives that people mocked them and called them little Christs. That's what Christians mean. Do you know what? I believe it's a great thing when people know that you are shining your life for Jesus. And people might mock you and go, oh, you're the, you're the Jesus ones. You're the ones that live your life. Like, yeah, you're the ones that do that. Hey, do you know that's a good thing? It's a good thing because when they, when they get ready to, when life hits them, when all the things happen, who are they going to come talk to about this God of the Bible? Who are they going to come to you? And you might be the only person that they know who is a Christian, who's a little Christ. And that's a good thing. And if they don't know that, then where are they going to go? We want to shine our light, don't we? We want to let people know. And so however we interact with uh, people in our, in our streets and our community uh, over Halloween, that's, you know, that's for you guys to think about. But it's important for us to be, to, to be aware that the, the occult, the evil one, the devil is real. And he is out to get you. And he wants to steal and he wants to bind you just like he has done to this man but Jesus has power and authority over every sickness over every disease over every ailment over every evil thing he is the king of kings he is the lord of lords and as we proclaim the name of Jesus chains are broken and as we proclaim the name of Jesus people can get healed and as we proclaim the name of Jesus we can know his life his, his goodness at work in people's lives and I want to encourage us not to mess around with the occult not to go near it not to go near Ouija boards or anything like that to stay away from it but to instead clothe ourselves with Jesus to trust him to praise him in fact uh, Phil's got some good resources if you want to think a bit more about Halloween good ways in which you can interact with the community across Halloween I think, I think he's going to post out about them later on this week and send them around to, to help us but we just, the thing I want to get us now is to encourage us, you know, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And as Jesus comes and interacts with this, the evil spirits, he has power and authority over them that they are scared and cowering and afraid. Please don't send us out. Don't, don't, you know, don't do anything. And then Jesus gives them permission for where to go. Legion, in a Roman legion would be anything up to 5,000. Uh, people in a Roman legion, that kind of army squad. Here, uh, they go into 2,000 pigs and then the pigs run off of the hill. And uh, Does that mean they had 2,000 evil spirits? I don't know in him. It could be more, it could be less. I don't know. But the point is, is that one interaction with Jesus and he was set free. We need to be people that to have our homes full of God's praise. We need to pray. We need to, as we, as we um, go about our lives, we need to close ourselves with Jesus, be rooted in him. And trust, actually, that he has power and authority over every darkness, over every sickness, over everything in our life. He is able to break chains. I don't know what, what things in your life might be debilitating, might be holding you back, might be inhibiting you to no freedom. But I believe today Jesus is able to break those things. And it might be you that we need to pray for. And it might be people you know we need to pray for, but I think it's important to pray. Because we can't do anything. We can't break the chains. But Jesus can. Because he has power and authority over all things. Um, I'm going to move on. 
Jesus sometimes sends people to go and sometimes sends people to stay. At the beginning of the passage, he says, come on, let's go over to the other side. For, for some of us, he's, he's calling you, and maybe he already has. He's called you to go. We're going to uh, talk to a couple later that God, God called to go, and they went over the other side, over many nations, to be landed in the Middle East. But here at the end of this passage, this, um, this guy who was demon-possessed, who set free, asked God, asked Jesus, um, he begged him, Can I, I want to come with you. And Jesus says, no, no, go home to your own people. And he, Jesus says, tell them how the, what the Lord has done for you. And so this man goes away and it says, he told them what Jesus had done. He got that Jesus was Lord, that he is God. And so as Jesus says, go and tell them what the Lord has done for you, he goes and tells them all about what Jesus has done. And it's, it's, an, it's an encouragement that Jesus has placed you in the place that you are in for a purpose. And just as, you need, just as you need to have faith to go, you also need to have faith to stay. In the place that Jesus has put you in right now, it's not an accident. It's not a mistake. He knows you and he knows where you're in. He, he identifies with you. He knows exactly what situation you are in. And he called this guy, as he, you know, as he set him free, he didn't say, okay, now I want you to completely leave your community and go somewhere else. Actually, the greatest impact that he could have was actually going back to his community, showing them what Jesus had done in his life. And many people were amazed and astonished. They came to see. I mean, it, they're kind of a little bit more concerned about pigs, probably because it was their kind of um, income. And, um, and yet, actually, we see, actually, the people were amazed. They just as they come and may perhaps were concerned about the kid, pigs, they saw all that Jesus had done in this man's life and how, you know, there's that, um, in the beginning it says, no one was able, no one was strong enough to set him to set free, to bind him or anything. And now Jesus had the power and authority to do that and they are utterly amazed. And in the same way, he, so he had, Jesus said, no, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go back. I want you to make a difference. And in fact, in a few chapters time, we're going to find out that Jesus returns to the Decapolis and loads and loads of crowds have heard about him. I believe that's because of this man. He has come and prepared the way for Jesus to have a fruitful ministry in the Decapolis in exactly the same way that John the Baptist came and prepared a way for Jesus to have a fruitful ministry amongst the Jewish nation. We are also called to be people who come and prepare the way into people's hearts for them to receive Jesus. How do we do that? We do that by sowing seeds, by doing good works, by telling them about Jesus, by being his light in the darkness. Jesus has placed you in the place that you are in for a reason. You might be the only Christian that any one of your colleagues or your uh, other students or uh, sixth form mates or people in the retirement home know, whatever, you know. And I want to encourage you, hey, come on, let's, let's have faith to stay just as much as we need faith to go. Jesus sends calls some to stay, calls some to go, but whoever you are, he calls you to have faith. He encourages you to shine his light into their situation. So right at the beginning, I asked that question, who, who do you know that is too far that you feel could, is least likely to receive Jesus? Why don't you bring that person to mind because it'd be good to pray for them and it might even be you. Jesus went to the other side to reach the, most, the least likely person and I believe that he, he in that 
enactment showed that he is willing to go to every nation, every language, every tongue, every people group, every background, every class, everyone. He is committed to seeing his word, the gospel, his glory shine throughout the world. Why? Because who is he? Because he is human, because he identifies, because he is God, because he loves and he cares, because he has all power and authority to break every chain, because he is with you in the storms of life, because he calls you to stay and he calls you to go, because he encourages you to have faith and because he knows that he, is, he knows exactly where you are and he has placed you in this situation where you are to be his light in the darkness. Amen? So what about that person? Can we pray for them? Should we, should we stand together? Maybe the band can come back up. I want us to uh, pray for strength to prepare the way of the Lord, to be people who go into our community to share the good news of Jesus, that prepare the way. I want us to be people who have faith to stay in the situations that we are in, faith to uh, proclaim the good news of Jesus where we are. I want us to be people who are aware that even through all the trials of life, God is with us, he hasn't abandoned us. I want us to be people who have faith that Jesus has all power and all authority of over all sickness, darkness, death and disease, over mental health, over struggles of life, over everything that inhibits and burdens, because he is God and he is good. Let's pray. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the king, that you are Lord of lords, that you're over all things, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. Lord, I I pray that we would be people of faith. Help us, Lord God, to have faith for the situations, the scenarios that you've put us in. Lord, for those individuals that we believe are least likely to know you or to turn to you or to trust you, like this man who was far from you, Lord, I pray, give us faith to go again. Give us faith to share again. Give us faith to pray again for them. Lord, Lord, I pray for all of us that are in a storm at the moment, that are struggling, that are in a trial. Lord, I pray, would you help us to know your presence with us? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Help us to know that you are near. Lord, we cry out to you as the one who is able and who has authority over nature, who has authority over our lives. Lord, we we say, Lord God, if it is your will, would you calm the storm? Would you bring your healing? Would you loose the chains? Would you break them, Lord? For all those things that are causing us all sorts of stress or anxiety, Lord, I pray, would you release them from us? For each one of us, Lord, I pray, would you help us, Lord God, to stand firm in your word, in your truth. Help us to have soil that is good, that runs deep, those roots that run deep. Help us to trust you, Lord, in the places that you've placed us, in the situations, scenarios that you've put us in, with our families, with our friends, with our neighbours, with our colleagues with those that we meet, Lord, I pray, would you give us faith, faith to shine, faith to share, faith to sow. 
Lord, we, we want to lift up, I lift up every single person in this room, those who know you, have put their trust in you, those who don't yet. I pray, Lord God, would you reveal yourself to them. King Jesus, would you come in your power and your might? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Help us, Lord God, to know that you are good and you are real and you are great. We lift you in your heavenly name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.